Money management, like a lot of things in my life, currently sits on a notes app as a thing I should be doing, but I'm not currently doing. Managing your money and accessing expert advice shouldn't be hard, and that's why It's No Fluke is proud to partner with Wave. Wave offers an easy-to-use suite of money management tools for creators in one place, streamlining your bookkeeping and saving you major time. Plus, when you create a free Wave account, you'll get a free personal 20-minute session with one of Wave's bookkeeping coaches, normally priced at $99. It's not a sales call. You can ask any questions you have about bookkeeping and get expert advice. The goal is to help you feel confident and in control of your finances. Spots are limited. Don't wait. Visit waveapps.com slash noflu to claim your free coaching session. That's W-A-V-E-A-P-P-S dot com slash N-O-F-L-U-K-E. That's waveapps.com slash nofluke. Welcome to It's No Fluke, your weekly podcast about the untold stories and uncharted waters in culture and creativity. This week... We're doing something completely different. It's a panel on advice for creators by creators. Let's waste no time. Go straight to the intros. Kristen Nino de Guzman, founder of Claire for Creators, brings over a decade of experience working with top creators at Instagram, TikTok, and Pinterest. And as a creator herself, with a following of over 400,000, she's passionate about helping people break into the industry, find their voice, and find their worth. She's been featured on Insider, Wall Street Journal, and was also a speaker at this year's VidCon. Goldie Chan is a global speaker, strategist, author, and advisor. Known as the Oprah of LinkedIn, she's a top voice on LinkedIn and in social media. She founded Warm Robots, an award-winning social media strategy agency based in LA, and has global clients and partners like Adobe and Microsoft to build brand campaigns as a consultant and ambassador. And then Carrie Reynolds, the VP of Marketing for Wave an all-in-one money management solution for small businesses. Combining 20-plus years of experience with data-driven decision-making, Carrie oversees a marketing function dedicated to helping more small businesses start, survive, and thrive. Let's waste no time and go straight to it. Kristen, when you are both as a creator and work with other creators, what did you see or what do you currently see that's kind of lacking in the creator economy? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things, and this is why I built my app, is pay transparency is a big issue for a lot of creators. I think throughout my career, I've worked at, at Instagram, Pinterest, TikTok, and it wasn't until recently when I felt like it really became more of an issue than ever. Um, you had like a lot of creators and influencers who had been in the industry for years and years, who some, some you could say had maybe figured it out. A lot of them were from more educated backgrounds. And then when I started working at TikTok, I really saw a wave of like a new generation, a new cohort of creators emerge. And it was people that were going from zero to hundreds of thousands, if not millions of followers overnight. And it was this particular like new emergence of, of creators that I realized really needed help with pay transparency. Um, so for me, I think working in the industry the last like ten, over 10 plus years, seeing just the pay disparities that would happen because there's not really any regulation happening. There's no minimum wage for creators or freelancers. And as a result, you have a lot of really big brands asking creators, what's your rate? And not everyone really has context or resources to understand what they should be or could be charging. 
Um, so for me, that was something that I knew I, I had to tackle because it was coming up in my day-to-day -day work. So my app really focuses on educating creators on pay transparency and how much brands are paying creators of, of their size. Goldie, I'm sure you've had some experience in this. We all kind of do trial and error, but, you know, talk to me like early days or mid days or now kind of how negotiating deals and that kind of works on the behind the scenes for people. So I think it's so fascinating because I, in fact, I feel like both you and I have been on both sides of this table, um, both as a um, person coming in and then also as somebody negotiating those deals for and with other people on the brand side. I will speak maybe on the creator side because I think that's really interesting. So when you're on the creator side and you're negotiating directly with brands, one of the things I think that's super helpful, and this is just a pro tip if you're a creator listening in on this podcast, one of the things that's helpful is, you know, one of the things you don't think about is usage rights, right? We don't really think yeah. about the duration of how long someone can use something. So that's something certainly to keep an eye on. Um, and then another thing is potentially a piece of the pie. One thing that's really interesting that some brands are doing now is they're giving, say, partial ownership in a project based on how well that specific project does to a creator um, in exchange for maybe paying them slightly less upfront. This also happens in the form of affiliate marketing as well. Um, so there's a, just a variety of ways to now be compensated as a creator, as an ambassador. Um, for a brand. Now I have to say this on the other side, if you're trying to entice creators to work with your brands and you're <laughs> building out these brand deals, um, I have heard some of the wildest things that brands have uh, offered creators. Uh, some of it really cool, some of it not so cool. Um, and I have to say some of the more, you know, nice things are just when, and this is just common decency. Uh, so throwing that in there is when brands really listen to what that individual person really wants, especially with their career. So if they, for example, would love to be making more videos and they empower that creator to make more videos, right? Or that creator says, hey, I'd love to write like an ebook and they empower that creator to write an ebook. I think that's so helpful to help the creator do what they really want to do in the next step. And it builds such a positive relationship between the brand and the creator. And what you'll find, what you'll find is that that creator will keep coming back to yep. do ambassador work. will keep coming back to say kind things, even unprompted um, <laughs> about the brand, which is of course, always, always good. So I think those are just maybe some ways to think about it, both from the creator side when you're negotiating, and then also from someone who works on the brand side when you're working directly with those influencers. It's the long-term relationship building. It's that like one step or half step that's missed a lot by brands, not to get into too much of an aside, but it's that part that's missed by brands of, of keeping a deeper relationship, of taking it one step forward, of not being so transactional. I mean, Kristen, paid transparency is so important, right? Um, and, but it's also keeping people involved in these brands and keeping them, you know, in the loop so that they can make more money and go make, you know, a, a greater leap in their career. There's so much value in both of those things. Um, and we kind of think of, you know, and I think the early days of influencer marketing, maybe we're getting better at this, but the early days of influencer marketing was thought of as very transactional. It's like, oh, if we give somebody a Yeti, 
uh, Tumblr. They'll do all kinds of stuff. No, 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 can't, can't pay your bills on that. So, you know, but, he, you know, and Kristen, you alluded to an absolute wild west, really, of this. Um, Carrie, from the Wave perspective, how do we support creators better who are, you know, kind of thrust into this, right? This is trial by fire. You know, what's Wave working on to kind of make sure people can navigate this better? Yeah, well, I, I absolutely love this conversation about pay transparency and negotiating and things like that, because this is all about what we, we think about um, this as financial literacy for our small business owners and entrepreneurs. And it's such a hard thing. You know, you've, you've started this business because you're passionate about creative um, cre and creating things in general. And like, who wants to create spreadsheets and bookkeeping and things like that? It's just not what you went into business for. So so that's actually a big part of what we do is we want to empower business owners to take charge of uh, of their financial literacy, to be able to learn about what it is to run a business. We talk about, you know, Kristen, when you're talking about pay transparency, um, it's so important to understand your worth and, and make sure that you know what you're asking for and negotiating for things. So one of the things we also found is that in our own user base, uh, that group of people contributing to the creator economy was growing so significantly. And even the Adobe study from about a year ago was saying that one in four of these new businesses that are being created today are in the creator economy. So it's incredibly important for us to think about this group of people because, you know, the, the platforms that exist today have given accessibility and immediacy to, uh, to the ability for creators to earn money. So uh, it is one of the things that we're super excited is you also need to have a bit of a level playing field. And so we've noticed a lot of inequality in the creator economy. There's only like 1% of these creators that end up being these rock stars and superstars. Um, and yet, you know, we, we, we know from the study from Adobe that, you know, less than a quarter, around a quarter of creators earn less than $1,000 a year. So it's a huge, vast disparity. <laughs> Um, so, so we're at Wave. We're super excited because that gives us the opportunity that we partnered with the Shorties then to um, to create this fund to help um, small business owners get started. Whether it is that they want to invest in something that's going to help elevate their business, and so the name of it to me is very apropos. The Elevate Creative Fund is what it's called, um, and so for us, we're going to be giving away a hundred thousand dollars. There'll be five winners who will get that $100,000. It'll be distributed evenly. So $20,000 each for, um, for entrepreneurs to reinvest their business and to grow and help try to level that playing field. And so part of that giveaway too, that every single winner also gets uh, complimentary coaching from Waves in-house advisors. And so that's where you really can get, I wouldn't want to underestimate the value of that. It's incredibly valuable to have someone sit there and walk you through some of the basics of setting up your business from the start. Um, so all this is about financial literacy and enablement of, of the creator economy to survive and thrive. I think knowing what to charge is so incredibly hard when you first get into something, especially if it's a blank and nebulous space that didn't exist, or even now when it does exist. But every brand does this differently. Every situation is unique. Um, it really kind of all comes down to leverage um, and where you are in that experience. 
Um, so for a lot of mid-level creators who might not have that leverage, because, you know, when we talk about the writer strike or the actor strike in Goldie, by the way, you alluded to the same things that you were talking about that creators might be asking for is exactly what's being asked for there too, right? Those are the, those are the universal things, right? It's, you know, how, and, and you don't think about this when you get, you know, when you get thrust into things, because there is no linear uh, path in this. You're either kind of like, you're doing this and then you're smart about it. And then all of a sudden it just booms or, you know, there is no, there's no growth trajectory trajectory it just kind of just does this all the time it's an audio-based medium but my hand went up and down um kristen for those people who are kind of in that middle space right not the people who are making a thousand but who are kind of in that place where it's maybe not a career yet maybe it's a side hustle what's your best advice to get to the level where this is their career the creator economy yeah i mean i think it's so interesting because I mean, from my experience, it's like creators like Goldie, who I've definitely seen around, like speaking on stages, really like just entrepreneurial business savvy. But then you have a big chunk of creators who just are like, oh, this is cool. I can make extra money on the side. But they aren't really sure how to turn that into like a lucrative, like full time, six figure a year gig. And I think there are so many different things that I have have told creators as I've worked with them over the years. I think one of the biggest things as like as a creator, it's really important for you to understand your motivations for creating. And I know a lot of creators, like I create content, I kind of fell into it accidentally. Um, but but understanding like what your North Star is, if you are trying to do this as a full time thing, if you want to make six figures, maybe you just like getting free things. You like doing, you know, sharing your life online, but it's really kind of identifying what your North star is and thinking like a brand and really understanding like, okay, if my ultimate goal is, you know, to be a comedian, to do X, Y, Z, to have my own product clothing line, like what should I be doing with my content? Um, what guidelines should I have for myself so that I can eventually get there? I used to work with creators at TikTok who like would tell me, oh, I want to work with Disney. And then I would go to their page and they're like maybe twerking or, or you know, putting different explicit songs on their content. I'm like, well, you're never going to work with Disney if this is the type of content that you're putting out there. So I think it's just having this like lens of, of being a business owner, which I know like Wave helps with the, thinking like a business owner and really setting yourself up for success in taking this into you know, creating a, a lucrative income stream for yourself and helping you get to where you want to go. And I think you really do have to kind of think like a business. And then the quick follow-up on that person is it's really never done alone, right? There's usually a network behind this. There's usually creators who know each other. There's creators that know brands. There's a lot of, you know, networking behind the scenes to help get people to where they need to be. Oh my gosh. Like if I can think of all of like some of the creators I've worked with the most at these brands, it's like, they're always pitching themselves behind the scenes because at the end of the day, you might have all these aspirations for yourself. Maybe you want to be an author. Maybe you, you know, want to have your own Netflix series. But at the end of the day, if you're not really sharing that with people, you're not going to be able to get where you where you want to go. And you really have to be proactive and pitch yourself and do all of the, all of these things to help you achieve this in North star goal. Yeah. Goldie, when you get into this upper echelon of creators, right, intended or not intended, right, you're there. How do the goals change? Like, where, where, when you reach goals, how do you set new goals? 
So I, <laughs> I have to laugh because I, I immediately want to make a joke about like driving my Maserati around town, um, which I don't know. Uh, but <laughs> I think, I think a lot about goals like this. And I think Kristen really says it so great when she says, you know, you have a North star, you're moving towards those goals. You maybe want to write a book this year, but maybe next year is a Netflix series, right? I think that's the healthy way to think about goals, especially as a creator, especially as a business owner. I'm sure Carrie's seen this um, with Wave uh, users who their goals fluctuate over time, right? Um, and certainly when you get, when you level up, and I think for me, it happened so quickly, right? I just was making videos on LinkedIn and then suddenly I was the top creator on the platform which is wild. And I wasn't expecting that at all. And I'm speaking on stages across the world and a lot of things happen. So I wasn't necessarily the kind of like in five years, I'm moving my goalposts to here, right? It wasn't as (laughs) strategic as I would like to say it was. Um, It just happened really organically for me. But at the same time, like now that that was say 2018, where everything really blew up for me, now that we are many years later, Uh, Now I can kind of revisit my goals and think like, okay, what would be a next step? But once again, everything is organic. So sometimes you do need to take a step back and some months, right? Things are not always easy. Your financial goals, your financial goal posts will change. However much you can make that month may change. Um, And it's helpful then to also think like, okay, so what are outside of those financial goals, which might change, then what are just career things that are tied to that? So maybe I can't build another room in my studio at this time, right? Because I don't have the finances for that, but maybe I can plan for that um, using a program like Wave, right? Maybe I can try to think about ways that I can get there if I do XYZ projects over the next three or four months. So I think it's still helpful always to have kind of goals that you're aiming towards, especially tied to finances or, and Jeff, you know, you said this too. And I think Kristen, you mentioned this. It's so helpful if you know more people, because the more people, you know, the more doors open for you. And that's the thing about creators who are in, if you want to say that for echelon, because it sounds so hilarious to me. Um, that are in this space is now that we've, I'll just say we, and I'll include everyone on this call, great or not, uh, in this echelon, um, now that we're in this space, we probably know so many different people across so many different industries. And the fun thing is you meet people who start at a Google, go to an Adobe, right? They start from one place, go from Facebook, and they go to TikTok. Um, And so over time, your relationships may not change with that person, but your relationships with the brands might change just because the people you know hop from place to place, which I think is also super fun. So my long and meandering answer to that is the more people you know, just to reiterate what Kristen said, the more people you know, the more helpful it is for you. And you'll find that sometimes those people will create your next goals. They'll say, have you thought mm-hmm. about doing a Netflix show? And, and you can be like, no, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's really helpful just the more people you know, because they will also 
clarify what those goals are. And it's also helpful to always know where your finances are and hopefully will be. Hopefully will be. <laughs> I mean, you can't see, but I'm making a hand motion upwards for everyone who's listening. Goalie's doing a growth chart. Yep. <laughs> I'm doing a growth chart with my hand. So hockey stick. I'm hockey stick. Hockey stick. I'm, I'm hoping, you know, everyone who's listening in on this, who's a creator, you're, you're, trajectory just keeps going up and up so you can keep planning bigger and bigger projects but once again just naturally everyone has off months um that's just true of freelancing and entrepreneurship yep so please don't be too hard on yourself if you do have financially hard off months <laughs> or month <laughs> yeah the PR person me is super biased when it comes to like networking, reciprocal value, who you know. Obviously, that's what I'm trained to do. But I see that so much yeah. in the back end of of influence and yeah, anything that's freelance because every month is different. Some of them are going to be great months, some are going to be bad months. Yeah, and it's really interesting from a personality style that you would assume from the outside looking in that every creator has the same like if you you know you know, look at anagrams or anything like personality style, like one through nine, uh, people have vastly different personality styles, right? And so we all handle this differently, right? Some of us are born networker, networkers, some of us are loudmouths, myself included. Um, there are all these different things, right? So some of us are <laughs> listeners, some of us are broadcasters, some of us, you know, naturally network. What I've found so fascinating in dealing with so many people in the creator economy is, and something that you allude to, Goli, is that they don't think of what the next step is because they're they they've gotten to this point um yeah. you know kind of by by sheer will sheer will by putting in the hours by putting it in and you know and sometimes never really by accident it's always intentional but but the the result seems accidental right or you'll get people yeah. that are at a very high level who go oh no no they have imposter syndrome where they're like no 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 I'm not, I'm not doing that much. I, I'm not worthy of this thing. Like you alluded to a Netflix show or this or that. They're like, oh, I can't do that. But I think the point is very important. Um, and then I'll, I'll, I'll shift it to you, Carrie, is everybody's kind of doing this quickly, a little bit haphazardly, and they don't have time for certain things. Like if you're trying to put together a studio to create more content, or you're trying to go out there and network, or you're trying to make brand deals, then the things that tend to fall by the wayside are the financial things, the putting together a team. And so really it is the five or six things you need to do with automation. Like I have something that, you know, writes up a contract in 30 seconds for me because <laughs> That would have taken me three hours. I'm not good at it. And also, um, you know, uh, you know, I mean, having things that automate what you should charge, right? Or having things that automate, you know, all of these backend things because people are going really fast. It's honestly, it feels sometimes like you're in a car that's either going 210 miles per hour or 15. It's a weird setup, Carrie, but I mean, <laughs> but that is it is that is the experience for creators. So kind of how do you keep people moving? Oh my gosh. You know what? Like, first of all, I just want to acknowledge too. I work, I work with creators every day. I have creators here on my team and I employ creators every day because we bring creators in. We can't run, I can't run my marketing team without the creators that we bring in to help scale the business. So to me, it's just, I'm so, I'm, I'm just so um, inspired when I get to work with people who are significantly more creative than me. Um, 
but I think the one thing that we learn and when I talk to these different small businesses and creators that we work with is that there's never enough time to do the the financials and the things on the back end so you're, you're always looking for ways to generate your business and then that stuff kind of falls to the wayside and so there's certain things that we advice we offer at wave that you know we can help people uh, find the time to do that or at least create the automation that you're talking about Jeff in the way that there's certain things you can do that just with wave your books will be automated and that's if you're just doing some some good financial um, hygiene i would say to start it's a good way to put um, it <laughs> it's a terrible word no it um, actually it hits home for me brushing your teeth and brushing your budget exactly, goldie exactly. <laughs> yeah and this is why goldie's a creator she's, she's got all the love um but i think i think the key thing is that when you're setting those goals for yourself and i love i love how goldie put it as well what you're actually talking about goldie a little bit is diversification of the things that you're doing so that in a way is a bit of a safety net. We talk about that all the time to people so that, that no one single mistake should really sink you financially. And so having your, your feelers out there for different, different opportunities and different things is a, is a really great, is a great thing. And I, I don't know, does everyone know I'm Canadian? Because I'll use Canadian. I've, I definitely heard it. I heard it in your, yeah, eh? yes. <laughs> I think you said in a boot. The hockey stick. Yeah, the hockey stick. <laughs> I, I was going to bring up because there's there's a Canadian um, production company that that uh, is um, someone that we speak to regularly. Anyway, so their name is Media Girlfriends. So they're a Canadian production production company. They're led by women of color who deeply care about inclusivity in media. And so, like we're talking about, these are creators who really inspire me because um, they have operated in a just a highly competitive and shrinking industry, but they've prioritized creating these diverse revenue streams. That, that I was talking about. Um, so they produce podcasts, but they run workshops, they do um, sensitivity screenings, like a whole range of activities. And so I think that that's one of the things that is so exciting about being a creator is that you can, you don't have to be one thing. Like Goldie, like how many things do you think you are sometimes? Do you describe it? like? A... <laughs> I love when I meet kids because kids want one thing. Like they want to know that you're definitely an astronaut right? <laughs> or when I'm wearing all black and I had bright green hair, they wanted to know if I was definitely a witch, um, which is very fun. Uh, but okay. I think it's, you know, I definitely am doing multiple hat wearing because it's, it's just, as you exactly said, it's so helpful if say tomorrow videos just stop existing, right? And if you're a video only creator, that's really scary. So it's helpful to be doing a lot of different things and diversifying um, your financial income streams. One of the other things that I personally do is um, I love doing things that also potentially will give me income in the long run. And now I'm very tired and completely forgetting what that term is, uh, residual income, right? Or, yeah. or whatever recurring income over a long period of time. So that's all income that comes without me actually even doing any work outside the initial work. Um, which is honestly the dream for every creator <laughs> is to have a bucket of money come in big or small every month and it just keeps coming in. Yeah, it'd be like you're just sitting on a beach drinking a seltzer and you're just raking in money. By the way, quick aside, Tommy Bahama makes seltzers and shoes. 
And I think that's just a weird thing. We're not looking for Tommy Bahama to be a sponsor, but I just wanted to make that a point that I, I saw that. And I, you know, look, Kirkland can get away with it. Kirkland literally makes anything that's food and non-food. That's fine. But Tommy Bahama, I, that one I saw, I'm like, we might've hit peak seltzer. Um, Carrie. Jeff, don't lie. I know you must have at least a six pack of that seltzer behind you and are drinking it while wearing no. your Tommy Bahama shirt with your Tommy Bahama shoes in your Tommy Bahama shorts. <laughs> that, is, that is too much Tommy Bahama for this podcast. <laughs> uh, we are not sponsored by Tommy Bahama. Um, no, but Carrie, I wanted to kind of ask a follow up because you were talking about you work with creators on the brand side. And since you're technically the only person on the brand side here, when you're looking for creators, what are you specifically looking for? Oh, wow. Um, so we, uh, um, I think I probably would say we're looking for specific areas of expertise, yeah. depending on the medium that we're going for, obviously. And so with, you know, pro with the, the explosion of different types of mediums, and every time I'm turning around, of course, there's a new one, or we're changing the name of Twitter or whatever. I don't even know these days. I want people who understand these mediums. <laughs> So it's super important about that, but I think as well um, for me, and here's where it's um, it's a very interesting balance because as a creator, you know you need to earn money by making what you love. And as a business owner who's employing a creator, I also need to make sure that creative is performant. And so that's something that's a very interesting tension, right? So as, a, as someone who, who loves branding and loves the creative side of marketing, I'm always constantly working and looking to work with people who know how to balance the creative with the performance. And it's a, it's a marriage. It's a, it's a lovely thing when it happens. Kristen, this gives me a kind of a perfect dovetail right into Clara, because um, when you kind of have a glass door for creators, um, why is it so important to kind of know what, you know, ahead of time, what the brand is looking for, because it might give you a better idea of if you do or don't want to work for them, but also, you know, a better idea of how to pitch too, right? Yeah. I mean, there's so many reasons why I think the transparency is needed, not only for like people on the brand side, like Carrie, who I guess, you know, probably want to understand how their brand is perceived by creators that they're working with. But I think on the creator side, it's so important because we're really still, even though content creation has been a thing for a while, it's still the wild, wild west in terms of rules, regulations, like companies can pay you, can pay creators late, they can ghost them, there's so many things and they're not held to the same standard that contractors with typical employees are are held to. So I think for, for those reasons, it's, it's really important. The way I, I talk about Clara when working with creators, it's like, it's one like tool in your toolkit that you can use. Like you can talk to creator friends, you can do your own research. Maybe you have a typical base rate that you charge. But I do think the actual pay transparency piece is, is really important because when I incorporate am interviewing for a role at TikTok, I, you know, am not just going into salary negotiations, blurting out a number. I'm doing research ahead of time. I know TikTok, a tech company, is going to pay differently than a nonprofit. Yep. So I think for creators, these conversations are really necessary because Goldie, I'm sure, is getting you know emails every day to her inbox. 
So it's not just one job move I make, you know, once every five years where I need to know how much I should be paid. It is every single day and my followers will change and all these things will change. Usage rights, there are all so many different factors that are factoring into your rate. And it's important that creators do have, you know, a clear resource that they can go to to see, hey, how much is Netflix paying creators my size in the past? Maybe I was only going to charge my base rate of 5,000 a video, but maybe I see they're actually paying creators seven, $10,000 my size. So I think just having an understanding is really important and, and will help set creators up to be successful in terms of creating, you know, long-term six figures a year, at least for themselves and really being able to pursue their passions and monetize more efficiently. Well, it makes a ton of sense, right? Because it's, it's twofold. It's one, um, for the aspiring creators, they want to know what they're getting themselves into, right? For the established creators, they would like to not have somebody coming in and going, yeah, I'll do it for 1000. Sure. Why not? You know, there's like, yeah. it, it works for both ends of it too. And you know, you, that's kind of how, you know, there, there really isn't a union. So that's kind of as close as you're going to get to, you know, a collective bargaining agreement is just going, Hey, 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 no, 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 no. Ask for more. Yeah. Usually, exactly. Usually, exactly. Usually, the the the, the, the nomenclature is ask for more because it will probably, especially if you've got a decent following, you probably can get more. Um, but Goldie, your your residuals, <laughs> that <laughs> that idea is so important because I mean, if you look at some people early days of Facebook who you know did a few things and now just have a few million or a lot of millions, a lot of millions. Uh, <laughs> yes, a lot of millions. Um, there are a lot of ways to do that. And, you know, you kind of answered my original question back a while ago, is that's kind of one of the new things you do once you, but you know, that is something you can do once you've established or, you know, and I, I think this is probably kind of something that you talked about without saying it directly is in, in your good months, set up some stuff for what might be going on during those down months too, right? Yeah. Ride the wave. Um, <laughs> what's, <Woo. laughs> what's a good, um, that was a great reference, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> what was that reference again? I didn't quite catch that. I don't know. That's almost like I've talked before in my life. But um, what I, I think the question I'm getting to is, what do you, um, you know, what is your best advice for people when they're in a position where, you know, they've done some great stuff and now they're in a down period? How do you, I mean, there's both, a, this is both a, you know, kind of a mental health question, but this is also more of a, I mean, like, let's be honest. I try and talk about this more on this podcast than any other podcast with creators, because I'm like, this is a thing, but also, you know, what are some of the things that you can be doing proactively, um, whether it's networking or getting yourself out there or, you know, things to kind of keep that uh, momentum going during downtimes. I love this question because this is not the fun, fluffy question. Like it's really easy to say what you should do when things are going well and everyone loves you and you're, you're just getting a million followers and you just went viral or something. How does um, that feel? That must be great. Amazing. Like, uh, what I think is helpful is to think about those downtime moments when even somebody who has say millions of followers, suddenly the brands aren't calling, right? Suddenly, maybe some of their creator partnerships are filled with drama. I don't know. Um, many things can happen, right? Or for me, I actually took off, you know, several months last year for health reasons, and I restarted this year. So this is literally what I had to do this year. 
Um, so I think this is such a topical question. And I think bringing in mental health is so important. First of all, you're not the only one, right? I think that's always helpful to remember. You're yeah. not the only one that's ever had a downtime or just not had brands call. And it feels like you're the only one because we have a beautiful thing in our creator economy called and exists outside of creator economy called FOMO, um, which is fear mm -hmm. of missing out. And I think a lot of creators feel that way when they have a lull and then they say, wait, this person is comparable to me. They have the same numbers, similar followers, but why are they getting asked to do this project with this brand and I'm not, right? Or why are they getting this specific deal and I'm getting this tiny deal? And I think it's just natural as human nature to feel maybe a little jealous about those kind of things. To me, honestly, how I dealt with that this year is I will, I'm just a hugely cheesy person as Jeff knows. And so mm -hmm. one of the things I, I like to just be is very grateful. So if I get a deal that's maybe smaller than I think it should be, first of all, I'm negotiating up. I bring in my lawyer, always have a lawyer, um, always have a lawyer, A-H-A-L, <laughs> always have a lawyer, um, bring them in, have, have them help you try to negotiate up if you don't have representation. If you have rep representation, have your representation negotiate you up, right? All of these, everything should be taking you to higher place. Um, but say you are just starting to take smaller deals because you're restarting again or you want to work with a brand. I think being really grateful for what you're getting and expressing that gratefulness, that is what opens doors. Because I know for me, that literally happened this year. I was working with a brand, not going to name them, um, and was just really excited to work with them. And they started bringing me on for bigger and bigger and bigger things. And why? Because I'm pleasant to work with. And that's it, right? I think so many brands sometimes deal with really tough to work with creators because creators are creative. They're all over the place. They're wild. I get it. Uh, yeah. But sometimes it's nice to be able to rely on a creator and know that they'll give you the deliverables on time. There'll be a certain quality at that certain time. Kristen's nodding um, because she knows exactly what I'm talking about. Um, and just being able to be a really consistent creator is also helpful. So in the downtimes, it's helpful to one, know that it's not just you Two, still be creating, even if you are depressed. And I know that how insanely hard that is um, yeah. to keep making things, even when you feel bad. And one of the ways I've found to get around that is if I can't make it, then I bring in a friend, I bring another creator and we collaborate on something, right? Cause that brings in that fresh energy that brings in more positivity. Um, and then third, Take some smaller deals because if you are really good, that will absolutely lead um, to bigger deals. And then, you know, fourth is, of course, if you have brands that you work with in the past that like you, that you think might like you, that you haven't talked to in a while, just gently reach out to them. And I mean gently because what you don't want to do is send 12 emails, right? Because then that becomes the other bad word, the other D word that's not great. Uh, desperation. <laughs> I was going to say thirsty, but also that. Yes. <laughs> yes. The, the uh, D or T word, thirsty or desperation. <laughs> yes. No, I mean, that, those are incredible points. And you, you mixed positivity with vulnerability well, 
Like that's one of your great traits. Um, and probably why I wanted to specifically ask you that question, much like a lawyer um, or much like somebody who's seen uh, like 23 seasons of SVU. I kind of know the answer to the question before I ask it. <laughs> Um, and that's that's kind of the point, right? Is that there are so many things that are going on behind the scenes, right? You're creating content, but in the back end, you're talking to brands, you're doing things that are helpful. I like to say as a PR person, um, and I joke about this with people, it's like, I can never say a bad thing or you know a, a terrible thing or you know be disparaging in any way for like the next 40 years. It's just the way the nature of the game works. Also, it, I mean, growing up, you know, in the Midwest, it's just kind of my nature that I'm generally positive and I'm always going to say nice things and, you know, see the best in people. And, you know, sometimes that can get you in trouble. It's kind of how horror films start. Now I'm starting to think about my life choices. But <laughs> Carrie, um, what do you think is, you know, having worked with creators, what do you think is some of the bad advice that they get? Oh, gosh. Um, we might not have enough time for this, I know. I yeah, yeah. I think, um, you know, I think, I don't know if it's bad advice necessarily, but I think it's going into it with their eyes aren't fully open. So you do, you do go into things, getting a lot of advice on how to be a creator, but for, from our side, it's the business side. You don't really know. And so you don't often have an advisor or representation like Goldie's talking about or someone who couldn't help you with that side of things. And so many people start off, um, one of the worst things you can do to start off when you're, you're trying to be a professional and you're trying to create a business out of your content is starting to mix the personal and the business. Um, and so some of, the, some of the advice we always give people is, it's not, this is the good advice, not the bad advice, but the good advice is to keep your business and your personal uh, financials separate. Because, you know, when you first start off, the idea of, you know, getting a business bank account and things like that can be very daunting. It's incredibly important though to do it right from the start. And you have to keep those things separate because when it comes to tax time, you're going to be spending way more time on that kind of stuff than on your content creation. And nobody wants that. So um, I think, I think it's not the bad advice I would talk about. It's the missing advice hmm. that you would get when you're first starting your business. Kristen, what's the worst advice you ever got? Well, I think like, I think, working with creators I see like a lot of these like milestones that they will kind of like say well if I get here I, I've like made it a lot and one of those is like having a manager and I know like I, I'll get a lot of dms or creators like I want a manager and I'm like well are you doing like a, are you doing a lot of brand deals like well no I, I'm not really doing any and it's like kind of like these these milestone misconceptions of like okay well having a manager that means I, I've really made it. it's like well in reality do you need a manager or do you need like a, an intern or a virtual assistant to help you manage your, your email inbox and your, your deals? Are you having, you know, issues with time management? And I think it, it's important to remember, like as a creator, everyone is on their own journey. Um, and there's not necessarily, you know, one thing that that's going to make you, I think, successful for a lot of people, they might continue to manage all of their own deals because that's what, works the best for them and that's what brings them the most money and um i i think i tend to see a lot of creators get into situations where they're taken advantage of because they're like oh well i just need one thing and then i'll be good i'll be set i'm going to sign with this this management company who's trying to take 
X, Y, and Z and everything from me. Um, and in reality, it's, it's not always the right move. So I think really making sure you're protecting yourself and your business as a creator. And what Carrie alluded to is creating separate accounts for, for your business, for your finances, making sure you're really prote- protected. Uh, Goldie said having her lawyer read things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you need a lawyer. Like if you, if you blow up in a year and you gave someone like permanent usage rights to all your content, like that's not a good thing. So I think really just making sure creators are protecting themselves and really thinking of themselves as a business. No, that's, that's super helpful. I mean, and that's, I think that's one of the narrative like themes of this podcast right now, you know, and and things that are top of mind, right? We're elevating, see, I did it again, Goldie, dang it. Um, We're elevating our thought process when it comes to how we work with this, (laughs) how we work with creatives, what we're thinking about, um, you know, both on the, I, I want to say that I think the creators themselves are actually taking a little bit of a, you know, a step forward faster than brands still and mm-hmm. just kind of having to collectively organize this, right? Maybe that's, I'm biased, but I kind of feel like I vacillate between working both brand side and influencer side more than most. Um, and I'm probably more brand side. Um, but, um, Goldie, um, before I get to this little segment to end things called keep it short, um, we can go a little bit more long form. <laughs> um, what was the worst? And I'll, I'll tw- switch it just a little bit. What's the worst advice that you got that actually turned out to be a positive? Oh no, Jeff, you changed it up right before you got to me. So uh-huh. I had a worst example and now I have to go through my, my very tired brain and pick up, um, oh, no. a worst that's a best. Okay. I think I'm just going to start talking and then I'm sure it'll come to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like I think <laughs> for sure. I feel like one of the things that I've gotten a lot is something that feels like a no at a time. And then those no's, especially when you're just starting out, especially when you're like, you are like, I made $500. That's the biggest amount of money I've made in my entire life. Um, when you're at that stage and people start saying things like, no, you, you internalize that and you think, well, like I should just stop completely. But sometimes those no's are really good because sometimes those no's are for brands or as Kristen said, managers that are terrible for you and your brand. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's when it's kind of like a failure. It's a not good thing that turns out to be a good thing in the long run. And I've had, I've had people and brands um, say no to me. And actually some of those things, I mean, I look at them now and, you know, they're in the news, but maybe not in the news for good reasons. And I'm so thankful that those were a fail for me. So Really understanding that sometimes no's are wins. Um, not getting something can be an actual win because it sets you up for continuing along a good path as opposed to, and also, you know, just not saying yes to everything mm-hmm. all at once is also a good idea. Taking time um, and understanding not, especially in the beginning, not to say yes. And the thing I learned truly the hardest way is when your friends have you sign a contract and they tell you don't worry about it we're really good friends nope. that is a friend excuse nope. my french who's trying to screw you over 100 percent. maybe because just don't real, sign contracts to friends that's a general right. rule i mean i think it's okay especially if you're a creator and you're you're creating yes, yes, things yes, with other creators but... 
But I think what's helpful is if a creator tells you, okay, you know, have your lawyer look at it. If that makes you feel more comfortable, that's Mm -hmm. a real friend, right? That's a real friend and a real colleague um, Mm -hmm. that you should work with. But if it's someone that says, don't have your lawyer look at it. I Googled it. It was fine. Don't, you know, I, I would never, anyone who says I would never do that to you is absolutely doing it to you. And that's one thing that I've learned, especially signing contracts. (laughs) Yeah, that's definitely, that's definitely projection. I would, my unsolicited (laughs) advice of answering my own question would be don't follow the things that placate your ego, but follow the things that actually set you up for long-term success. Um, Because I think too often when you're in this space, uh, it can feel really fun, really exciting. And people will offer you things to get you on stage or get you to do this, but taking a step back collecting and understanding where you are most valuable will probably be the best long-term thing you can do. Um, Okay. So now at the end of every podcast, I do something called keep it short. I ask three questions. There's three people. So everybody gets one question. Um, Goldie, I will not go right back to you. Um, (laughs) I'll give you some time, but I won't tell you what the question is. Um, So um, sometimes they're serious. Sometimes they're funny. We don't know. Carrie, what do people get wrong about Canada? (laughs) oh well it is uh first of all i believe it's uh almost 100 degrees out today in toronto Mm -hmm. not many people would realize that and i had to do the translation in my head because that's like 38 that was really that was really quick yeah i have to do the reverse translation pretty good yeah that was awesome but i've got it but it's it's kind of off, but yeah. So uh, they people don't realize how hot it gets up here. Oh, and that Toronto is further south than me. Like the northern, the north. Yeah. 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 Where are you? Midland. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm like northern Michigan, Definitely. so I am I am above Toronto. Yep. Oh. Yeah, yep. you're above Toronto. Yep. So those are some of the misconceptions. You, you, you nailed it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kristen, what? Um, give me a good example of kind of a brand relationship uh, person, just kind of when it all works out right, what's a good example? Um, a good example of someone in a brand doing it right with creators. Is that, yeah. is that what you're asking? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think honestly, some of my best ex- examples, I think like are very relevant to, to Goldie. Like I, I see like Adobe, for example, really nurturing, creating like long-term relationships and, and really growing with their creators. I know so many creators that like spoke at Adobe Max were on stage, uh, are able to create their own like Adobe, like filters are being flown out to Adobe events. And I think like that type of, I think that type of partnership is really fulfilling for both the creators and the brands. And it, it's just, it's really like a long-term investment. I think that's the best way you can do it. Um, instead of just kind of looking at creators as like a one-off brand deal, we want to work with them and see what we can get. Really just like nurturing the relationship and thinking how can I as a brand help elevate, amplify the creators that I'm working with. And I think that's really the best way to be perceived. And I think you get the the long-term, the best ROI um, by really investing into the creators that you're working with. We didn't talk prior, but uh, Goldie and I will both reiterate that, having lived that, that that is a real thing and that they do it better than most. Um, we're, we're in the group chat. Um, <laughs> Goldie. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm going to just pause, extend, make this a, really just let you let you feel out what the potential question could be. What 
No, I'll go. I'm just not gonna do that. But what is cinnamon maple syrup? <laughs> something you put in something you put in coffee? Um, uh, is this like is this like a reverse no. Jeopardy? Oh, I love it. So I'm, I'm um, guessing the answer. You you give me the answer, and then I give you the question. Um, no, 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 no. Ask the question, Jeff. I'm oh, serious no. now. I'm serious, Goldie. No, I'm focused. I don't, I don't want serious Goldie. <laughs> we didn't. No, we invited silly Goldie. I specifically put it in the memo. No. Um, my question is on the serious nature, and I know I, I asked Carrie the funny one, but mine is on the serious nature. Um, and it's again reiterating like these these times of you know mental health like when you are not getting the dopamine rush right from content who do you seek out what do you do what's some good advice there i will say this is someone who is fully an introvert it is so important that i go outside i mean it is so easy if you're a content creator to stay at home, to stay in your studio, mm. um, to be inside. And it's so literally unhealthy. Like it's unhealthy for your mental health. It's unhealthy for your body. I go outside. So if it means I go outside and I just take a mile walk around my neighborhood, I will do that. I will go and just get some fresh air, see some sunshine, see some dogs, Um, you know, mm. walk Doggers. around and get a soft serve. I don't know. I will go and go outside. So that's the first thing that I definitely try to do to get myself because just changing your scenery does change your mind. And I think another thing that is so helpful is I have friends. Mm-hmm. Period. And, fr- <laughs> friends. And, friends that, and friends that are not and friends that are not in this business too. Right? And friends that are not They'll in this business. I have yeah. I have a friend she does not know what social media is. Um, we met at a meetup group that was a dinner meetup group in San Francisco. Um, and I love this because she does not understand what I do for a living at all, no. at all. And she's an emergency, um, emergency pet vet. Um, and she does really meaningful, awesome work. And she doesn't need social media to do her job. She doesn't need it. And it's really great to also have friends who are literally not online at all. So they want to see you in person or get on a phone call with you because they're humans and they want to have a human interaction with you. And I think that is also so healthy. And we forget that, especially if we are living and creating and making all the time on the internet, it's so easy to look at those numbers and look at those likes and those views. And I, and exactly what you said, Jeff, that dopamine rush, um, that affirmation through a stranger that liked whatever you were doing. Sometimes it's nice to meet with someone who has zero followers, mm-hmm. but has many friends because it just brings you back down to earth. And I find that to be honestly, one of the healthiest things for me personally, when I get into a funk um, or, LA has really great uh, cat cafe rescues. (laughs) Go cut. I'll go donate some money and cuddle some cats. (laughs) It's perfect. It's, you know, to to encapsulate this conversation, get some solid financial advice in your life, have some really great colleagues to network with and just have some real friends who don't know what you're doing. It all helps. And I appreciate all three of you jumping on this call. Uh, It was our first four person panel. So we, we did it. We nailed it. We accomplished it. Um, and I thank you all. Round of applause for everyone. <laughs> <laughs>
appreciate it. Oh, it's such a pleasure to meet you both. Honestly, Goldie Kristen, you guys are doing some great work. So Thank you so much. Yes. And I was going to say, I will, um, I'll email both of you to set up a one-on-one if that's okay. Cause I think it would be nice just to chat one-on-one offline too. Yeah. 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 I, I was actually thinking the same too about, uh, the Clara app that would be very helpful to many of our students. I don't even tough. isn't a handbook for entrepreneurship, for being a creator. In fact, plan on making mistakes, but there are more resources now than ever. Learn from other creators, watch, ask questions of the ones who've been doing it for 15 plus years now, and the new ones creating new pathways. Use the tools available to make yourself more efficient, and finally, create a network that understands what you're attempting to do and can help guide you there. Because this industry, just like any other, depends on the network you create. Reach out anytime. I'm happy to tell you all the mistakes I've made along the way. It's No Fluke is an original podcast from the Shorty Awards. It's hosted by me, Jeff Barrett, produced by Jun Myung-soon. Cover and episode art by Chelsea Shizano. Research and editing by Vanshika Chuturvedi. If you like this show, please leave a five-star review, share, and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any feedback or guest recommendations, send an email to info at shortywards.com or DM Shorty Awards on Instagram. And take care.